0: Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and his unique plan for your life. Well, good morning, Gateway. Oh, man. All right, we're going to do something. Oh, wow. Uh, We're going to do something that we don't normally do here on a Sunday. I want everybody to stand up, and I want you to greet three people somewhere in the room. You can walk somewhere. You can do it right around where you're standing. Oh my gosh, this is a sound. It's like a nice sound. Well, hello. Welcome home. Good to see you. Good. No, 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 None of that. All right, there we go. We're seeing a little ways. Oh, look at that. Look at that. It's so nice. It's just, it's comforting. Hugs are going around. See Hugs. Good morning. good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, y'all can have a seat. Well, uh, we saw, uh, I saw some folks that, uh, hugging, embracing, I saw a few, uh, hey, I see you over there, gotcha, okay, that's, that's, that was your, uh, that was the way you were going to say good morning to them when I asked you to go shake a hand, I saw it, okay, none of the waving stuff this morning. We have uh, a great opportunity this morning, and we're going to go through a passage of scripture. Randy has gotten us uh, to this point through the woman at the well, and uh, I get the tail end of the story, and the tail end of the story is a lot about what you just did together, going and saying hello to someone uh, but it's a lot more than that. But that's a good start for our morning together. We have a passage of scripture. We got a lot of ground to cover. I was a little over in the last service, so I'm going to be watching myself, make sure we don't do that again. But if you will turn with me to John 4, starting in verse 28, we're, I'm going to read this passage of scripture uh, to you. And it goes like this. Verse 28, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? Verse 34, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Father, I ask that this morning that this passage of scripture be used for your purposes. Father, I ask that you would come to us right now, Lord, that you would allow us to see what you want to share with us today. Let the words from Scripture be sweet to our ears, that they would begin to work in us a new work, a new plan. Lord, that these words would be vital to us as we move forward in our journey together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've got this passage of scripture and uh, the woman uh, has already, she's already kind of run back to town. Uh, she's left her water jar. We're going to get that to that in a second. But as I was working on this talk, I, I really, I kind of left out a good chunk, a little, a section of this, uh, which is the whole scenario with the disciples, And the disciples' piece is not that it's not good, but it wasn't about the Samaritan woman at the well that we've been talking about for the last two weeks. So I thought, well, you know, I can skip over it. Then this last night, this morning, I was wrestling with it, and I thought, you know, I at least need to say something about what's happening here with the disciples. And so that's what I want to do. I want to share with you that the disciples had come, and they began to question Jesus about, you need to eat. And he says to them, I have food that you know nothing about. About. You see, in coming to the well and the woman going back to town, the disciples passed her as, they, as she was going back. They didn't ask some of the typical questions that they should have asked Jesus about why he was talking to her, but they just started in on this. And so Jesus understands and he sees that there's a misstep with them, that they're not connecting the dots. And that's the reason why he starts telling them about The sowing and the reaping. And he even goes on to say, you guys aren't even getting it. The woman is here. We're having a conversation. She's excited about getting to know me. She's moved back to town so that she can tell others, you're not even seeing that. All that you're seeing is that I don't have some kind of food that I need to eat. And I'm telling you that what I have, the food I have, is not physical, but it is something greater than that. And so he begins to talk about the sower and the reaper and the harvest is ready. And he begins to tell them basically this. This moment in time, this moment in time with the woman at the well. It has been set in place for thousands of years that there have been people that have been walking this road to get us to hear it. They have cultivated the ground so that this one woman sitting at Jacob's well could hear the gospel and could be moved forward to a whole town. She's, life is transformed and she wants to change her town. And you guys have missed it and he had to explain it to him. Let's not be like the disciples and miss miss the opportunity to see what Jesus is doing in and around where we live. So let's go back to our passage of scripture and we're going to go back to verse 28 and we're going to look at the water jar. Then leaving her water jar, didn't she bring, we, as we looked at over the last couple of weeks, the water jar was to come and fill it with physical water so that she could have water, uh, that she could have what she needed for the day. And she came to the well, and she came during in a time when nobody else was there, and she filled it up, and there was Jesus, and he asked for a drink. But she left that water jar. There's a lot of theories, a lot of commentaries about why, but I, I think this is why she left the water jar. I think she left the water jar because it was cumbersome, that it was big, that it was a burden to her to lift that water jar on her shoulders, on her head, whatever it is, and to run back to town to tell them about the Messiah that she has encountered. Can you imagine sloshing around with a water jar back to town? She's done, the water's there's no need for her to carry that back because there is an excitement to her. She doesn't even care that she's left the water. She's not, no longer worried about the physical water. Why? Because she now has living water. The living water that Jesus Christ can only give. Now she's got it and she wants to go share it. There was a lot of questioning that was back and forth that we previously saw in some verses before that, but now she understands what she had heard for years. She had to run back, left the water jar. It would have burdened her down. I know it would have, because those things are big. If you've ever seen pictures of them, they're very, very big. But isn't that about what her old life was doing, was burdening her down? keeping her from moving forward. Jesus had told her story. It was leaving her in a certain place. Hebrews 1 and 2 tells us to do this. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Her old life was entangling her. She couldn't move. She had had to avoid people. She had to come to the well in the middle of the day. And now she's willing to go run back into town and tell everyone and anyone the story of her encounter? She's telling men. Men know her story. And she doesn't care. Because there was a life transformation that took place in her in a way in which all is gone. Because now she has living water that Jesus Christ has given her. She couldn't wait to talk to anyone because Jesus had changed her life. 2 Corinthians 5 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The second thing we see is in verse 29. And she says, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She confessed her life, old and new. Excitement is contagious, is it not? Do you know of anybody around you that they're just happy all the time? Life is good, I'm happy. And you just want to go, Okay, if you, I'm going to smack that smile off your face. I am so, you're just, in, oh my gosh. You're driving me crazy with your enthusiasm. Excitement is contagious. When We get excited about something. Do we not get excited about the Astros? I mean, good grief. I mean, we're all over the map. Well, I, yeah, well, thank you so much. Wasn't expecting that, but thank you, Curtis. Uh, but everybody was doing, I mean, honking horns, and we were all excited, weren't we? She told her story because she couldn't contain herself. She didn't care what people thought, or whom she told her story to. Jesus had changed her life. I was involved with a ministry called Young Life, and at the end of the week of a camp, we would have this thing called Say So. And it comes from a verse of scripture in Psalm 107.2, and it says, let the redeemed say this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. And what say-so was, was that if there was somebody, a kid that had been brought to camp with the hope that they would come to know Jesus uh, during that week, if they came to know the Lord, we gave kids an opportunity to stand up and say-so so that they could be letting the world know of the decision that they made little Johnny, some kid that you think, oh my gosh, there's no way that he's gonna accept the Lord. He stands up, he's crying. You're like, this is the most amazing moment in your life. And you see the excitement. You see how just the power of God's presence and spirit works in and through the life of a kid. She didn't care. She didn't care at all. She was so ready to tell her story Pretty exciting moment are you a contagious Christian are you someone that they look at your life and they see life transforming power coming from you because of Jesus living in you be joyful and tell others the good news God is a God of joy, and his joy abounds with the salvation of sinners like you and me. Number three, Samaritans came, saw, and believed. Verse 30 and verse 39. I don't have 39 up here, but... Verse thirty. I don't know if, what she's doing. She's not doing that this this time, so we didn't even talk about that. But verse thirty is this: They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse thirty-nine: Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. I wonder. This is. I'm just letting you know. This is how weird my mind is. I'm wondering if it was like a moment from a scene in a movie where. Uh, like the townspeople are coming out and they have pitchforks and like a little, oh, let's go see where he is. I don't even know. I don't think they're upset. I don't think they're mad. I mean, but you, know, but you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that scene in the movie? I don't think it was that scene. I think they're walking out in wonder and amazement. What? The Christ, the Messiah, we've waited you better believe if she's saying it's the Messiah, then we better go at least go out and check it out. We better go walk now. And I mean, the townspeople are going out because they have a woman in front of them that if the men, if the wives of the men knew that she was talking to them, dinner was gonna be bad. I saw you talking to the woman at the, you don't understand. (laughs) Wait a second. It's not like that. It's like this. And we gotta go. Because whatever happened to her, because she wasn't talking to us, not that we, you know, before we didn't, but now she's talking to us and she's telling us her story and she's saying, come see the man who's told me everything that I've ever done. They were, they were wanting to see the Messiah. And they went. And not only did they go, not only did they go out to see him, they asked him to hang around for a couple of days Two days. Can you imagine? Who's the coolest person you know around you? I mean, like, you just want to hang out with the cool people, right? So, like, I'm, they're going, man, this guy, man, can you imagine the stories he's got? Me, You did what? That's awesome. You're who? That's great. Can you stick around for a couple more days? Because I'd like to find out more about you. And so that's what they did. They asked him to stay, and he did, and he told stories, and he told stories about who God was and who he was in God, and they were just blown away that the Messiah that they had heard about for so long was standing right in front of them. How many of you have encountered the Messiah and didn't even see him? How many of you have a friend that you've introduced to Jesus? and they still haven't responded. These people, they saw him, they got excited, and they hung out with him. John 1, 1, 1, 46, Philip is saying to Nathaniel, he says this, come and see Jesus the Messiah. Jesus' invitation to us is to come to him. Jesus is wanting us to come. And just like Philip and Nathaniel, just like the woman at the well, to say, come and see him. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants to, for us to come and see him. And when we do come and see him, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's a lot of people in this room that need to have a sense of rest. You're burdened. Don't miss the opportunity to come to Jesus. John even writes at the end of Revelation, Revelation 22, 17, which I think is really cool because John is writing here and telling us this story about the woman at the well. But at the end of his life, when he's all alone and he's on this island of Patmos and he's writing these books and he's remembering back, he says this in Revelation twenty two seventeen: 17, "...the spirit and the bride say, come, and let who hears say, come." Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water. Wait a second, I just told you that was in Revelation 22. This is at the end of the life, and what John remembers in this moment is this moment in time where this woman at the well is given the free gift of living water. And it was for her to come and to take, and she did. And John remembered that moment, and he wrote it down, and he recorded it for us. I just think that's really cool. That's God's invitation to you and to me is to come to Jesus. Are you burdened with sin? Then come. Are you thirsting for living water? then come. Jesus gives water freely to unworthy sinners like the Samaritan woman and those who come and ask for it. And when he does that, when we enter into that relationship of coming and having that relationship with him and moving forward towards that, then what Jesus begins to, use, begins to uh, do in us is to use us as effective witnesses and tools For his kingdom's sake. When people come to Jesus and true transformation takes place. It has the ability to make others wonder what has happened. In Luke 15. We have three stories that are set for us in Luke 15. The first one is the lost sheep. A hundred sheep the shepherd has, but he knows he's counted and he's missing one. He goes out and he searches for the lost sheep. He finds it. He's so excited. The Bible tells us that he takes the lost sheep, he puts it on his shoulders, and he comes back and he says, hey, I found my sheep, rejoice with me. Now, I'm gonna date myself here a little bit. But there's a guy by the name of Keith Green. And Keith Green was a contemporary Christian artist and he had an album See, I'm, I'm already doing it right now. There, there you went. There was the dating, right there, an album. It was an actual album. It's not a CD, wasn't an eight-track, it was an album. So that's where we are, OK? Is, you know, you got me. So he's got the lamb in this picture over his shoulders, and he's looking straight ahead at the, in this album cover, and he's got this that's what I picture. Of this shepherd who has found his sheep. It's contagious. And he wants to share it with his friends. The second story is the, is the woman who lost the coin. And she spends, she's sweeping up, and she's looking all around her house, and she can't find the lost. And then she finds it and she calls out to her friends rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. They come and they rejoice with her. Well, I got a little story for you there. So when we were in our early part of our marriage, we were teaching one of our children about counting money. Now he, oh, okay, so, all right, so hold on. So I just gave it away. There's, now we're down to three that it possibly could be, okay? So just know that. He's got the coins in his hand. There's a quarter, a nickel, a dime, and a penny. And we're going. What's that quarter? What's that nickel? What's that dime? And he's going through the process. And so we're driving down. We're so excited. He's he's recognized what the coins are. We're, we can't even be can't be any happier as a couple. And all of a sudden, we're driving. We hear, "Oops." What, what do you what do you what do you mean, "Oops"? And he opened up his hand, and there was a quarter, a dime, and a penny. In the first service, I said that it was a, a penny that he swallowed but he actually swallowed a nickel. Huh. Oops, is right. So digestive system we kind of went on a search. We were in diapers still at this point. Anybody following me? Am I and when I, when I use the word we went searching, I use that word very loosely. Like my wife went searching for the lost coin. And eventually, about a week went by, and we, I mean, we, <laughs> loosely, she uh, said we're going to have to call the doctor because this is beginning to concern me. Finally, in the, in the last uh, possibility, Before calling the doctor, there it was. So I took the coin. We washed it off. And I put it on a poster board. Now, I was still doing Young Life at the time, and so I put it on a poster board, and I was going to do a lesson on the lost coin, and so I put it on a poster board, and I put all around it, scratch it, sniff it, touch it, do all whatever you want to. And all these kids are going up, and they're going like scratching it, and they're, they're sniffing it. So then I tell the story. I mean, oh man, that was a good one. Oh, The last story in that batch is the prodigal son who comes home. The father is outside of himself. He lifts up his, his skirt, which is just don't show your ankles. And he's running with abandonment to go find his kid. And he's come home and he's wrapped his arm around him. And he's killed the fatted calf. And he's called his family. He's called his friends. And he said, come, re- re- rejoice with me. We're gonna have a party tonight because my son has come home. Luke 15, 10 says this, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One sinner. What if you and I, what if you and I are actively sharing the message of Jesus Christ? Can you imagine what heaven's, Rejoicing is going to be when we start reaching a community, when we start reaching our town, our state, our country, and changing the world. But it has to start with you and I coming to Jesus and seeing who he he is. The Samaritan townspeople not only came and saw, they asked Jesus to say, as I said earlier, And then they believe, not because of her testimony, but because of their own experience. We see this earlier on in Scripture, really, in the Old Testament. There's a character by the name of Job. And if you've ever read the book of Job, and if you haven't read the book of Job, I really encourage you to read that. And then there's this whole thing, starting in in chapter 38, where God begins to talk to Job. And the first opening line of that deal is, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And Job kind of went, oops, I really don't have a place here. And he falls silent for four chapters. And finally, at the end of all of that, Job 42, 5, Job finally says to him, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. You see, the Samaritan woman came and brought her story. She was transformed by her, her encounter with Jesus. And because of that encounter, she went and told her townspeople. And the townspeople are saying, listen, it's not because of your story, but it's because we now have our own story. When we have an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus... Do it because you have a story to tell. Know Him in a way in which your story is truly life transforming. Are people drawn to you? Has Jesus radically changed? You, that you're ready to share the gospel and disciple others to grow in their faith? Those are some of the questions that we need to answer in moving forward. And I, I want to share something with you here in this moment. A, a town was transformed because of the encounter that a woman had with Jesus. Here at Gateway, we are moving towards an emphasis on discipleship. An emphasis that we begin the process of walking alongside individuals, people, sharing the gospel, bringing them into a relationship with God, and then walking with them in their faith journey. And in that process, there are, before I even say that, I want to say this there are some of you in here in this room that have not had a life-changing experience with Jesus. You have not asked him into your heart. And my hope for you tonight, today, is that you do that. If you're here and you have made that decision to follow him, then my hope is that you will be empowered today to go and share your story and change the lives around you. Now, with that being said, I have in our last bits of notes, and I want to share with you that uh, I'm not a practical guy. I just want to go through the text, and I want to tell you what the text tells you, but I believe that we've got to move forward if we're going to do this. I don't want to be the kind of guy that says, well, if you take these these steps, it's going to work for you, but I want to give you some thoughts about this from a practical standpoint about how you can move forward in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. O.W. Thompson was a guy who had written this thing called the Concentric concern, uh, Circle of Concern. And he wrote it a long time ago, uh, and then 15 years after his death, his family edited it, and then they put it into a book. And in this, uh, in this circle of concern, he has seven different circles that he has uh, identified. One, self. Two, family. Three, relatives. Four, friends. Neighbors and associates, five. Acquaintances, six. And person, X and or We can call them strangers, number seven. He found that we reach people through relationships. The most effective way to share the gospel is through the relationships that you have with people. But there are seven stages, and I want to share these with you as we're running short of time. Seven stages for making disciples, and number one is this, to get right with God, self, and others. God can use anyone he chooses but when we are in a right relationship with God, he can use us much, so much better. If you're struggling with things in your life, give them to God. Don't let them become a barrier in your relationship with him. First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Number two, survey your relationships Start gathering information about your relationship. Start thinking about how can you begin to identify those that need Jesus in your concentric circle of concern. Then start your prayer list and find out ways to reach them. Number three, work with God through prayer. The only way we can reach the lost is if we begin to identify those that need him. And as we do that, uh, those that need to have a relationship with Jesus in our circle, then begin to write them down as prayer requests and ask God to help you identify those people and how do you reach them with God's help. Number four, build relationship bridges to people. This can come through mutual interest, hobbies, uh, maybe even helping someone through a crisis. Number five, show God's love by meeting the needs of others. Service towards others can go a long way in breaking barriers and creating opportunities to share the gospel. We saw that in the last couple of months and continue to see that through the way that we're showing love towards those that have been affected by Hurricane Harvey. Make disciples, number six, and help them grow. If if we are sharing the gospel with our friends, then we need to expect that they are going to count on us to help them grow in their spiritual walk. Be prepared to lead them on their new journey. Number seven, help new Christians make disciples. People need to learn how to make their conversion experience, how to take their conversion experience and share that within their circle of influence. If we don't teach and lead, Others to share the gospel. We've missed the opportunity to radically change the world. Now, the last section in there is uh, how do you get started. It's got five things in there. You're, you're good enough to be able to read those and figure those out. And so I'm going to leave you there with those notes. The last thing I want to do with you is something that Brandon had said. We have an opportunity with 25 Forward to begin to reach a community and our church, hopefully, through the, through the process of building fields, areas for kids to play, come and use we'd love for you to join us in this and the way you can join us in that is there are some stakes that are out on entrance five and some buckets write somebody's name down write down a prayer request that you might have and go stick it out in the field someone that you're starting the process of praying for that you want them to be the person who hears jesus doesn't have to be about the fields but it's about the field the harvest that jesus talked about with his disciples Put their name down here. Go stick it in the ground. You have an opportunity to walk the field. We had two people that really helped uh, a lot in getting the field ready uh, before today. One was Albert Salinas. He's mowed it for us. He's mowed the edges so you can walk around. We'd love for you to walk the property. Uh, It starts on this side and walk around and just pray for the property. Pray for what ministry can happen there. The other person is uh, Cade Higginbotham. and Cade helped me put together the stakes. I wanted to make sure I mentioned Cade and the way he helped uh, me do that. So with these, I want to tell you a little bit about 25 Ford, just so you'll know. To this point, we have raised $41,500 towards, yeah. We we want to be able to reach our community, and we want to be able to do it through sports. And we want to be able to do this right. And so as we go through the process of putting together the right pieces, uh, that's what we hope to do, is to... Uh, have some fields that are ready and available for uh, students, adults to use to reach our community. Last thing I want to leave us with. One Samaritan testified to her town and many believed in Jesus. One man, Noah, built a boat that saved the human race. One man, Moses, stood up to Pharaoh and delivered the Hebrews from Egypt. One woman, Deborah, delivered the Israelites from the Canaanite oppression. One man, David, defeated the Philistines when he killed their champion, Goliath. One woman, Esther, had the courage to approach the king and see her nation spared from extermination. One man, Peter, preached a sermon that led 3,000 to be saved. One man, one salesman and Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, led a young man named Dwight to Christ. Dwight Moody became a blazing evangelist who is said to have led a million souls to Christ. Wilbur Chapman received the assurance of his salvation after talking with Moody and went on to become a noted evangelist himself. The drunken baseball player Billy Sunday was an assistant to Chapman before becoming the most famous evangelist of his day. One of the fruits of Sunday's ministry was the forming of a group of Christian businessmen in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1934. That group brought an evangelist, Mordecai Ham, to speak. A tall, awkward youth named Billy Graham was converted during those meetings. According to his staff, More than 2.5 million people had stepped forward at his crusades to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Many millions of souls can trace their spiritual lineage back to the influence of one man, a simple Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. To the world you may be the one person, but to the one person you may be the world. And I'll add, to you they may seem like just one lost soul, but to God they may be the one soul who can impact the whole world. Don't ever underestimate the power of the one. Your influence in your circle can radically change the world. After we're done, we'll have folks up here. If you have prayer concerns and prayer needs, we'll have our prayer team up here. I'll be out by the table if you'd like to come speak out there. Thank you for listening today. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be done. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to share the gospel and to talk about what you've done for us, what you've done for the woman at the well, and how she impacted her town. Lord, I pray that the folks that are in this room see the vision of this one woman who has radically changed. Her life was transformed forever and she shared that with her circle of influence. Lord, let us catch a glimpse of that, the power that comes from the one and let us recognize and see that us being the one can radically change the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Y'all have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.